American United has a convenient branch right at the VA Medical Center, along with eight other locations across Utah. As a member, our veterans get the best rates on loans and savings products. Learn more at amucu.org. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.375%, APR 4.65%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2.13% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 30. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. We're here with part two of our interview with Amy Stellhorn. She's the founder and CEO of Big Monocle. Yeah, just drowning in options. Which things should you pursue and what, where should you go? And, you know, at the end of the day, I did the thing that I knew how to do, which I think was really smart. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, we want to invite you to get involved in the charity our founders helped start called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the U.S. and globally. The top project you could help with now is in Cusco, Peru. There are 20 girls that the local government rescued but didn't have anywhere to keep them safe, so they put them in jail. The government has said that they're willing to give custody of these kids to the aftercare facility we're helping to expand now once we raise enough money and build an extra building there. To learn more, please click on the Child Rescue tab on our website, which is iCollective.co. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Amy, when we left off on the last episode, we were talking about mentors and the roles of getting different advice. And I thought it was really interesting, kind of the visual description you had of the benefit of being able to quickly try on different people's ideas, like a set of clothes, kind of like try on that mm-hmm. idea and see if see if I really think that's right for me. Um, and it sounded like kind of an efficiency to, to have these these mentors or coaches or advisors in your life lined up already so that when you need to make the big decision and you're under the time crunch, you can, you know, quickly check with your husband and your coach and your accountant and your other advisors and then, you know, put your CEO hat back on and make the decision. Um, anything else you'd say about that before moving on? Uh, no, I think we've covered it pretty yeah. well. Okay, well, uh, for anybody who missed our last episode, where Amy's got a big upcoming talk, and uh, I, so I said, let's just go down your table of contents and talk about it on the show. So we're we're <laughs> cherry picking a, a ideal seventeen point list here about starting companies. Um, let's look at number eight. Listen for pain. Uh, time to design a new staff meeting. Talk about this. <laughs> oh man, I realized early on that if I am just in pain about something and like avoiding it and don't want to do it, like we have a problem and we're probably doing something by default and not by design. So the minute I'm like, Oh, how can I design this? Like pain is an amazing signal for designing something. And the thing is, if I'm in pain as a CEO, my people are probably in pain too. And one, one example is, you know, the staff meeting, for some reason, I was just like, oh, it's time to have a staff meeting. I just don't have a staff meeting. Like, I feel too busy. And I don't know. I just don't feel like they're great. And I don't know what else to do. And we, you know, we need to cover all the things. And I don't know. I was just miserable. And especially on, like, staff meeting day. Just, I, like, 
had the hardest time getting to work. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I love every single project I'm working on. I love my team. I love, you know, everything is great. Why do I have this sense of dread? And then I realized, oh, it's the pain of the staff meeting. And I finally just said to my colleague, I'm like, I hate our staff meetings. You got to make them better. And, and he's like, me too. You know? And so we redesigned the staff meeting with like three of us. Um, and it's, we actually made it something that's really fun. So we decided that we have a format that we're going to follow every time. And, and, um, we introduced some fun elements. Like we used to have people report on projects and seriously, every other person would tune out while they were talking about the project. Cause either you were involved in it and you already That's knew never happened you, at my meetings. And you're like, oh, just like who cares? And like, you know, slides with words on them. And we actually now have a collaborative document. We have a Google slide presentation. That's our staff meeting uh, presentation. And in order to catch people up on a project you're only allowed to use images and the first image has to be a gift that tells the status of the project and these are the most amazing gifts like i mean everybody is so interested and we're so engaged and for everybody it, who doesn't know what a gif is like about- a little a little animated gif it's like you know a clip of a video kind of or a yeah on those loops it's like the yeah photos it's like on a little sequence like of photos on a loop a couple seconds that loops and so you know some Last week, um, oh man, such funny things. There was one, I, I think it was in, like Nicholas Cage's head on a bear uh, riding down the mountain on a unicycle or something. And, you know, you <laughs> see this image and you're interested. You're like, how does this, how is this like the status of this project? And, you know, the person's like, we're rolling. This is like what's going on. Like, we just, can't, you know, kind of summited the mountain and this project's now rolling you know so that's kind of how we signal the overall status of the project and then on the next page is some visual examples of what we've accomplished recently that are concrete you know what i like about that story though is it sounds so small it sounds so dumb and it doesn't sound professional like why could that make such a difference but i i really think like as you know over the years i've come out to to visit your offices and like you guys have like the group playlist for the music going on and every once in a while somebody's putting in like this dumb, annoying song just like as a gag to get everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like this breakup of the monotony. Um, it, it happens so much more at your office than other people's offices that mm-hmm. I've ever been to. Um, it, it sounds insignificant when I just hear it, but having experienced it, like it's like legitimately smile inducing. And Mm -hmm. then that becomes contagious when everybody in the room with you is smiling. It's really hard to stay bored. It's so true. And, and you're interested, like you want to know why this gift is like the representation of this project. And I can't even tell you, like the minute you design something, you know, I think we were running staff meetings by default, sort of like the way you kind of always run a meeting or the way you thought you should. And when you stop and go like, well, what do, why are we even having a staff meeting? What's the purpose of this staff meeting? what do we really want to achieve in this? Then you can design something around it that not only makes putting together a staff meeting effortless, but also makes it really enjoyable. So we actually force some level of ridiculousness um, to, I think to make us vulnerable and open and interesting and like bring our minds and our hearts to the meeting. So we actually also start with a song (laughs) and somebody's in charge of picking the song and we have to put it on loud and sing along. 
So <laughs> like it's it's like being on a road trip with your best friends when you do something like that. You know, you have this amazing old song and you're all singing at the top of your lungs and you're embarrassed and you're also happy about it. And it's just the best. I can tell, you know, all the securities lawyers that we've had on the show, they're going to start doing this immediately. Right. All of a sudden law firms are going to be fun. Okay. Um, they're going to have, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> it, it is interesting though, like how much um, default of like, well, I'm an adult now. I'm supposed to be professional. Um, just equates mm-hmm. to uh, people not enjoying being there. Um, yeah. Oh well, my gosh. you know, you talk about this pain. I'm thinking about the pain when you decided to become an entrepreneur and, you know, you, I mean, you were at the top of your game. You'd, you'd climbed all the corporate ladder ranks in, in a significant design firm who also handled multi-billion dollar clients. Um, and this, you know, stepping out, <laughs> stepping out and deciding to completely change your life and become an entrepreneur. And then, face the decisions of, you know, do I want to try and borrow huge amounts of money to acquire this or do I want to start and things like that. Um, Talk about what that was like for you of recognizing where you're at wasn't working for you, um, even though knowing that to do something different was going into the unknown. Mm. You know, I had so many ideas when I left my firm and so many things I wanted to do. And I was so tormented about which thing to go and do. Um, and I never felt smaller because when you've left, like I, I quit without starting something else immediately. And when you go from a big title and a big salary to like no title, no salary, you start to feel, I think it's inevitable that like we put too much stock in like what that title is Mm. in terms of our self-esteem and other things. It was a painful time for me, to be honest. It was, um, I don't know, it's just hard. Like, who are you? Oh, I'm Amy. Uh, you know, like I, I used to do something <laughs> and I'm thinking about doing something, but I don't really know what I'm going to do. And then just having so many options. I mean, when you, you kind of have drowning in options, yeah, just drowning in options, which things should you pursue and what, where should you go? And, you know, at the end of the day, I did the thing that I knew how to do, which I think was really smart. Um, because it gives me a platform to do some things that I don't know how to do. And that's really cool. So a big monocle, we're building some of our own products. So um, apps and other things. So I'm kind of excited because those are things I hadn't done that I thought like, should I start a creative agency or should I, you know, start something else? And I think doing the thing that I knew um, put me in a position of strength to do some things that I don't know. Yeah. Um you know, doubling down on our circle of competence uh, certainly has some advantages, right? Yeah. Um, when you think about that kind of windshield effect of seeing it done before, so you, you have a bit of a template for at least partially how you want to do it for yourself. Um, a lot of times we like to ask guests who someone was maybe early in their life or early in their career that really set an example for them for how to treat others. Is there anyone that comes to mind for you in that question? Mm. I'm being flooded with people. Um, Any of them. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. One of the people I'm thinking of is, is a friend of mine, my buddy, Jake Cheney. Um, He's a designer. uh, And he, he just was always excited to see people. Like you'd walk into a room and he'd start clapping 
And mm-hmm. sometimes even, sometimes even like way back in college, you'd walk into the computer lab back when they had those. And he would like announce you, you know, like Amy Hayes, everybody, uh, my maiden name. And, uh, you know, like, and clap for you. And nothing feels better than that. And I think that's something I learned early on. I mean, that's not a huge, like deep thing that, that, you know, if I think about some of the other people that inspire me, but I think that goes really far. No, you know, we just can't get enough of that. Right. Somebody who's excited to see you and, um, makes you feel good. Like, so, I just love that. So hi, Jake. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny. Jake, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I'm thinking, so Amy and I originally know each other from art school. I don't know how many years ago, a lot of years ago, yeah, 17 years yeah. ago or something. And yeah. I actually think like your apartment was like that. Like you guys were like the party pad, like not, not to <laughs> frat party party, but like yeah. <laughs> stupid, stupid games that you guys had invented that morning. It was like, if you needed entertainment, um, like those group of girls that you lived with, you guys were all like extremely welcoming, I guess is a way that yeah. I would say it. Um, it. It's interesting how helpful that is to other people's lives when we welcome them, huh? It's so nice. It, nothing feels better. It's like a form of service almost. Yeah. Huh. Um, so another question we ask people is, um, advice for our charity child rescue um, combating child sex trafficking uh lucky for us you are actually a board member of child rescue and have been a part of Mm -hmm. everything from inventing our youth campaigns at you know chapters at high schools and colleges um through the many different projects we've done when you think about this cause um you're a, a busy ceo a wife a mother um you've got plenty of other ambitions what was it about this issue that made you want to dedicate some time when, when, uh, time wasn't something you had a lot of. Mm. I liked your approach. Actually. I remember when I first, we caught up, we lost track of each other after art school for a long time. And, um, Jess and I ran into each other actually in an airport security line in New York city on a whim. (laughs) Like you, I think you had spoken at something, at something fancy. And I had just, I had actually been in Boston on business and did a, just an overnight road trip to New York to catch a Broadway play. And then and then leave. And we just happened to be like, there's one person between us. And security. I think it had been we, like 10 years or something too. Yeah. It'd been a long time. And so I was like, Oh, man, this is Jess. And we reconnected and had time to share a plate of nachos. And you told me what you were doing. And initially I was like, Oh, like, hey, that's just awful. And there's so many things I should care about. And as I think as an adult and as somebody who's busy and, and like most of us like really care about the world, like, it just gets kind of heavy. You're like, Oh, there's so many things I have to care about. Like starting with recycling and then, you know, all the things like I'm supposed to care about all this stuff so much. And I remember feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And then you were like, we're, you know, the way we're going about this is we're talking to kids and that just resonated with me. And I think that's one thing that child rescue has done right from the beginning is educating kids because adults have a lot of things to worry about. And the, you know, average age of entry into sex trafficking is 12 years old. And that's the average age in America. So think about this. These are like really little kids who are being trafficked. And um, so being able to talk to kids about this issue so that they can be protected and they can recognize it is super smart. And and it's something that they can take home to their parents. And then you can activate this on a number of levels. But 
I think educating kids so that they know what they're seeing. And we've seen it with, with child rescue. There have been the most amazing stories where literally um, presenting after presenting to a group of children, you've had um, people come up and say, Hey, I'm being trafficked by my parent right now, or some other like really crazy situations that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't think are happening in America and you definitely wouldn't think are happening in your community. And um, I think kids are, kids are better off and safer with this education. And then I also like that we're tackling law enforcement as well and trying to make sure that they, they, they know what they're seeing when they see it rather than seeing some bratty teenage runaway, you know, they should probably see this child as a, you know, a trafficked, a trafficked child, you know? Yeah. It's not always apparent on the outside, right? They, they have to, sometimes there's some education needed to be able to look past the thin candy Mm -hmm. shell on the outside of, you know, disrespectful, swearing, middle finger, runaway teenager and recognize, Mm -hmm. you know, the adult that's controlling them, that's, that's tricked them or kidnapped them. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, bringing in people who know what they're seeing, like, you you know, you've done great bringing in like some of the top leaders and in human trafficking, sex trafficking, to talk to local law enforcement. And I think that's one of the best things we can be doing. Um, well, we we uh, have appreciated your years of service there. Um, I'm looking at your list again here, and um, there's this one that says expectations are toxic. Talk about talk about that. Oh, yeah. Um, has anyone ever told you that you should make your expectations of your employees really clear? Um, you know, and, and this is something I learned from somebody who, and this actually goes back to mentoring. I guess I did have one more thing to say on mentoring, which is, you know, I think when I was starting out, I was kind of taking advice from everybody who seemed like they were important and new stuff. But then some of the people I was listening to had never actually run a company and actually weren't great with people. Mm. And I think I took some bad advice, you know, from a few pieces of bad advice early on, but one of those was, you know, put these clear expectations. And I had this chart of our expectations and, and then telling them exactly what it looks like. So they know when they're doing it. So like one of the expectations is that we do complete work and then having a a five point chart on what complete work looks like. And I don't know about you, but I've recently learned, I've recently learned something new and it feels so right that like people hate when other people have expectations of them. Like, you just hate it. Like, how dare you have expectations of me? And expectations are really toxic because I expect something of you and then you don't know what I'm expecting. Either you know what I'm expecting and that's just really annoying and weird or you don't know what I'm expecting. And and that just leaves leaves space for me to be disappointed by you mm-hmm. and an excuse for me to be disappointed by you because I had this expectation. And what we should have instead are agreements. And there's, um, I learned about this from my um, personal coach, Mary Hyatt, but there's a, uh, there's a guy who has a piece about this. I should, I should just figure out what it was because um, it's so good. I'm Googling it. Sorry. Taking well, one second. Well, you're taking a second there. It does make me think, you know, our, our consulting firm, we teach sales training classes, right? Like I feel like I've been a sales guy since as a 15 year old kid got my first sales job, right. Even when I'm running a company and I really think so often the reason sales has a bad taste in our mouth is it's equated with trying to take over somebody else's agency, right? It's, it's 
this thing of I'm going to pressure you to make the decision that's right for me. And instead of like, it's kind of like we all hate when somebody knocks on our door when we are relaxing on a Saturday morning. It's like, oh, great. What do I have to talk? What do I have to do to get out of this conversation? But we all love going to the the Apple store to go buy the new gadget, right? Like it's not the parting of money that's so bad. It's the we want to have our own choice. Like we want to be an adult. We want to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there. There's something just like you said, we all hate that feeling of like mm-hmm. someone else running our life. I don't know if that's where you're going with it, but that's where I, what I was thinking. I think more of like where I was, I like where you're going with it. I think it can serve there too. But the idea that like, I, I think, it's the idea of releasing expectations that other people need to do something differently. Like maybe you have a, a colleague or an employee who's always late for meetings and you have an expectation as a professional that they should never be late for meetings. And you feel really like you could, um, you know, that's not valuing my time and your expectation of them. That's a really negative thing. And, and instead what you want is to have an agreement. So the conversations really differently rather than in the feeling, right? If you, if you feel like you expect somebody to do something differently um, versus like, let's have a, let's come to an agreement about how we should do this. And well, that's, so. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause when you first set expectations, I was thinking more of like standards that we have standards. So yeah. I wasn't exactly sure where you're going with it, but I feel like where you're going with it is more of the like expectations, like entitlement, like, I'm entitled for you to be at this meeting on time rather yeah, than the agreement so of what the standard is yeah. around here. Yeah. And the conversation's a little bit different. If you say to your employee, Hey, I expect you as a professional to be on time. Like that's kind of a bad feeling and a shrinking feeling versus if you say really value your, you know, I really, really value your input. And part of that is, um, we actually need to having you, you to give that having input. you at the meeting. Yeah. Like, can we, you know, what is it that you need to, to be on time and what kind of agreement can we have about that? You know, is that something that, that, you know, you want to do and you value And Anyway, <laughs> you can, ha- you can actually come to an agreement about what it is and then keep your agreement with each other. Cause you actually have an agreement. So you might have an agreement that let's say you have somebody who's super challenged and that maybe they're always, you know, we don't know why they're late. Like they might always be coming from another meeting that somebody else is running and they're always going over. Or they might, you know, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of things. So I think, I think being able to. But it's the assumptions, right? If you add assumptions yeah. on top of entitlement, like that's a recipe for a terrible situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly don't think I'm being really awesome at explaining this, but I, I Googled the guy at Steve Chandler. Mm-hmm. If you Google Steve Chandler and he's got some audio files of really easy things to listen to about expectations for versus agreements. But you know, you can take that home to your spouse. Like if I have an expectation that my, my spouse is going to talk to me before he spends a significant amount of money. And then he doesn't talk to me before he spends a significant amount of money. I might feel disappointed. Like how dare and, you or. Yes. Right. Like those, those, I don't know. I blow up because I feel like we're not working as a team and how, you know, I had <laughs> how, everybody knows that you, everybody knows that you should have talked to me first. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, if you make a a significant purchase, like that's not okay. But you know, if you have an agreement ahead of time, like what we have no agreement that he'll talk to me about expenses over a certain dollar amount. We, and I, to be honest all the time, 
will blow a bunch of the same amount of money on something. So, and I don't feel like I need to get permission from him. So like, what is my expectation that he would talk to me before doing something, even though we have no agreement that he would is toxic for our relationship. So that's why I say expectations are toxic versus if we have an agreement, if we have no agreement, then I have nothing to be heard about. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no agreement in place. So, um, so right now we're, I can just give you a concrete example rather than talk about it. We're remodeling a house right now. And, um, he's really interested in spending money on infrastructure and I'm really interested in spending money on design. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the aesthetics. And so our agreement now is, is that we each have a bucket of money and we're going to make the decisions we want to make within that. And mm-hmm. the other one, they can inform us, we can talk about it, but really like my, our agreement is that I'm not going to, going to like nitpick if he decides to replace the water heater. Cause you know, he wants to, no, but because that, that d- lies in that domain and that's our agreement. Yeah. But this is a classic co-founder issue too. You know, like um, I I look at owning businesses with with different individuals over the years and the the unspoken assumptions are the cause of so much conflict, right? Mm -hmm. You know, before we started the show, you and I were talking about parenting. You know, like I've got a I've got a 12 year old who's starting to get (laughs) who's starting to edge into those teenage years, right? She's trying to get a head start on it. (laughs) And like sometimes the emotions are all over the place. And, uh, I think about consequences for mistakes when, when we only come up with it after the problem versus we having talked about something in advance of like, just so you know, if this doesn't happen, this will be the consequence. Mm-hmm. Like her ability to take the consequence when there was the agreement up front and, and she can objectively recognize that she messed up. I mean, it's like night and day how different that is. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but the other, the other direction that I think not everybody thinks about, Oh man, creating agreements works wonders. <laughs> it's, it's it literally can eliminate so much strife. Well, and going a direction that maybe not everybody thinks about, um, it can go, we keep talking about, um, people that maybe we have responsibility for staff or, or children, things like this, but going the other direction with bosses or with investors, you know, mm-hmm. I've had investors who were interested in like, weekly if not daily updates right mm-hmm. and it's like hey we you know i totally want to keep you informed number one priority though is meeting the financial metrics we 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 talked about <laughs> so can we you know how much reporting how much reporting can we come to an agreement on being the right amount of reporting instead of you know you're on your drive home from work and you want to know how things are going so you're interrupting the team right mm-hmm. um or or bosses right like we so often um, as a boss, we're, we've, we're juggling so many things that we're not necessarily as dialed in to what's going on for our staff as, as maybe would be optimal and having a staff member come and say, you know, having the courage, if we're, if we're, you know, the kind of approachable boss that this doesn't, that they feel can feel safe enough, but if they can come to us and say, Hey, you know, I, I have a concern that, you know, this is supposed to be the standard around here, but but we end up having a bottleneck quite a bit of the time because you don't, you know, because you haven't been, you know, either you've taken on too much or what, but we haven't been able to get this. And it's awkward because you're my boss. So uh, can we, can we figure out something in advance instead of staff who are sitting around ticked of like, you told me I was going to be able to work on these kind of projects, but now, but now you make me do this and this and this, and I never even get to do what I got hired for. 
and it festers and it boils over and something that, you know, could be a conversation, right. Ends up not working out uh, and we lose staff or things like that. Mm-hmm. I think even the minute you have an agreement about how something goes, thinking about it with co-founders or, or people who are running a department, um, if you think that you have an expectation of like what a reasonable amount of money is to spend on something like a business trip or a flight or a hire or something, but they don't have that same expectation. Like it gives you a lot of sense of like, Oh, what kind of person would make that decision? And you know, this isn't okay. And the way we run things versus if you just have an agreement, suddenly there's no problem. Like, you know, where the fence, you know, where the fence is, you know, what the rules are, you know, what you've agreed. Um, so it's, it's not, I don't know. You can avoid a lot of arguments and you can avoid a lot of um, just things that I think can lead to you giving yourself reasons to be upset with other people. No, it's true also, right, with clients. You know, sometimes clients get the feeling of I'm paying you, so I own you. So, Mm -hmm. right. And that's what we think that they're acting like. And they think that they're they think that they're making reasonable requests and nobody's talked about it and, mm-hmm. and everybody's secretly ticked and the relationship is degrading. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Until you say, Hey, um, you know, actually, Can if we I talk haven't re- this? yeah, if I haven't responded in one hour, you don't need to also call and text and email me again. You know, like our reasonable return time would be by like end of the business day or you know within 24 hours or and if something. That's a, right if that is a comment that comes out in an open conversation versus a reaction to you're annoying the heck out of me and then we say it from that place of you're annoying the heck out of me right yeah yeah we, totally because that doesn't go well but if you there's like that this, totally doesn't go well i mean <laughs> i'm just hypothetically saying i'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> if you want to keep your clients and we do and we love ours you know if if you have agreements about how things work, it's, uh, it's just a good idea. They're magic. Yeah. Um, I think we've got time for one more here. Let's look at number 11 network is everything. What, what does that mean to you? Oh, you know, when I was young, I hated the idea of networking and I've never been very good at keeping a really managed Rolodex and, and things like that. But I have learned in, in building big monocle that, the people that you know really are the, they're what makes you successful. I can't even, I can't overstate it. It's, I know it sounds you know, so cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. It's like, you know, the, the jobs you get to the people, you know, I, I recently went um, on a trip with some other uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs and I reached out to almost every single one of them, either for advice or to hire their company. And it, it comes up like, client has a need and I'm like oh I just met a company who does this like I just met this guy who Hold started on, are you talking about the convoy trip yeah have you talked about that yeah well I had yeah. I've had it's funny we've had so many show guests from that we had Al <laughs> the funniest oh, quilt guy He's in the, the world coolest guy okay. I've ever met we had Stephen Pesovich talking about climbing Mount, Mount Everest we had uh Trent and Ken talk come on like it's funny. Like I remember you, yeah. you're like, Oh Jess, you got to come on this trip to New York. And I'm like, I don't know. It seems kind of expensive. Are you sure? And, uh, like I, it's funny this morning I was emailing like 10 other people saying, Hey, you should come on my show too. You know? Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's funny when you get like that, 
that connection of those people who who have the common experience of overcoming the hurdles and achieving what they've achieved um i don't know it just it sounds so cliche but it, i really can't agree enough with you yeah i actually texted one of them this morning asking about a salary question for like a super senior um developer role like hey what do you think about this and like they have experience in that and so they were able to advise me back and um i've hired um brent who does blip mm-hmm. build- Boards. They're basically like AdWords for digital billboards. So you can literally book ad time on digital billboards for as little as you want. You could literally turn on a campaign for 10 cents and buy a spot on a billboard. But like, and you can pick the time of day and you can control it. And this is fabulous for your clients. You might, you know, if you have a, a food client who's trying to increase the, t- you know, their lunch sales, you can just buy time on a billboard right at lunchtime. And, and geographically right near their store, you know, so it's, it's like the coolest thing. And I only know about it because I met him on a trip and I had a client call up and say, Hey, we suddenly need to hire four developers. Do you know anybody? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. I was just in New York at and- Andala where they're, you know, training up some yeah. of the best, the best developers. Out Taking in the best 2% from an entire continent. Yes. And so, I mean, it was like, yeah, I do actually, here's the name of the CEO. And you know, it's, it's actually so beneficial, like knowing people and, and obviously like you've brought a, a richness to my life and, and a acceleration to my career path, just knowing you. And then I think knowing, and I say network is everything, even from another way. Like I've, I've honestly learned the hard way that everyone you work with is going to, is, is part of your network. And, you know, I had a colleague who I didn't get along with great, um, I don't know, 10 years ago. And, um, she got along great with somebody else in the company and she ended up over at Apple and she's hired him to do stuff. Right. So you never know where people are going to end up. They're part of your network. Like the burning bridges. Yeah. That was like, Oh, I learned that one. Like not, not just cause I would, not just cause I'd like to do that project, but realizing that like, it's probably smart not to burn bridges and and to be like, respectful to everybody in your network, right? Yeah, it's like short-term thinking, long-term thinking. Like Warren Buffett says, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say too, like, I think we all, you know, to be an entrepreneur or to be, you know, in a corporation where you're trying to make some sort of significant, innovative jump, right? It's probably somebody with some relatively ambitious underpinnings who's heading something like that up. And so often those things get measured in, in numbers, in these abstract things. Um, And really so much of a like quality of life doesn't necessarily come from those numbers, but by the quality of the relationships we have in our lives, even though most of us don't set relationship goals, we set (laughs) finance goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can figure out how to like be around uh, really generous human beings while you're working on those goals, man, life is better, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think we're about out of time. What else, uh, what's kind of parting advice of Amy's, you know, rough road, fake it till you make it, invent the future, <laughs> live the part of CEO. What, what's your, what's your advice for entrepreneurs out there? Mm, so many other things to say, but I would say, ask for what you need. You would be surprised um, 
how your team rallies to support you. I, I remember uh, just feeling like I just need to go. I needed to do some like fundamental infrastructure stuff for the company. And I couldn't do it because I was mired in projects and doing other things. And I just brought it to my team and I was like, I need help. I think I need to take a month off. And they were like, yeah, do it. And so I, I worked from home for a month on only like on non-client projects on just the infrastructure of the company. And I had a bounce on my email and autoresponder that said I was in monk mode and that unless this was part of an ongoing conversation, I would talk to them, you know, in, in, a, month in a month when I got back. Yeah. And, he and, delegated. and my team rallied around me with, I thought, I don't know why I wouldn't have thought, thought like the response would be different, but they absolutely have rallied around anytime I've asked for something that I really need. In fact, two weeks ago, and we just moved into a new house and I kind of hit the ground running and we're remodeling. So I wasn't really trying to decorate and to unpack and the walls just felt like they were coming in on me. And I just told the team, like, it was super sudden. I was like Monday morning. I'm like, you guys, I got to take a week off. I, the, I can't, I can't do all of these things right now. And I realized my space really affects me. I need beauty and I need order. And, and um, I'm going to hire somebody to work with me all day on making that space work for me. And they were incredibly supportive, you know, like totally, I, I have the best team, but they just, they picked up the slack. They took the meetings I couldn't take. They, they rallied to support that. And, and I think anytime I bring them something where I just say, Hey, I just need help with this. And I kind of want to do this crazy thing. Like you'd be surprised how supportive your team can be. Well, I'm going to suggest that those are, those are investments you've made in them also that uh that come full circle kind of we harvest what we plant kind of stuff so mm -hmm. i agree you have a good team but uh i'm sure some of that is a, a result of the approach you've had to them leading up to that type of an, a request mm, thanks well listen this has been great we'll have to have you on for for another another show sometime and uh yeah thanks for everything there's at least 12 points we didn't cover Gus. right <laughs> all right thank you so much it's been delightful Great. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. That was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.